We're going to continue today in our Uncaged series. Is anybody enjoying this preaching? This has been good stuff. Come on. Uh, we are spoiled, rotten with good preaching here. Say it loud enough so Pastor Chris can hear you. The level of preaching that we get here on a weekly basis is absolutely incredible. I get to do cool things with the youth, like we go to uh, different speaking events and worship events, you know, they actually have to pay money for and go see and, you know, take a trip and stuff like that. And I can actually, don't tell anybody I said this, but I can actually be a bit disappointed when I'm there because the preaching just isn't as good as we get at home. (laughs) Come on. Maybe you've experienced this visiting other churches or just being on vacation or being a part of other places. But I, I, I tend to go, uh, I tend to think to myself, it was good, but it wasn't Hedgesville Church. And um, I, I'm just so blessed to have been raised in this church and to be, have been a part of this leadership team and a part of this ministry since I was about 16 years old. I've been uh, the youth pastor here uh, since 2010, so about seven years now. And um, I've, just been, I've just been blessed um, by the anointing and the leadership. Uh, that, past, that Pastor Chris has. Amen? I know many of you could say the exact same thing. Just really quick, before we get too deep into it, we have a brand new online giving system um, that is, is being established as we speak. The end of July will be the cutoff. So if you currently give online, which is most of us, and you currently have not switched over to the new system yet, um, you're going to want to do that because at the end of the month, um, the old system, all, all, all the old ways will pass away. And the new ways um, will be the only way to give <laughs> online. So if you haven't done that yet, I want to encourage you to follow the clear and obvious steps that are on our website, HedgesvilleChurch.com. Click make a donation and right there are the clear, obvious steps to make your giving count and to set up the new um, set up the new online giving system. So if you haven't done that, take advantage of it. I'm excited about the new way uh, to give. I set it up the other week. It's super easy. I go to a big bank. So BB&T was right there. So easy. And I can text to give now. So that's cool. Um, Now's your chance. I'm preaching about money. If you need to leave, I understand. Today we're going to continue uncaged, and we're going to uncage our generosity. It has a lot to do with our finances, doesn't it? So, let's stand now that we're comfortable. Let's read God's word. This is the letter that Paul is writing to the Corinthian church about the ministry of giving. Don't be mistaken, they are given money. And this is his encouragement to the Corinthian believers that there are things that happen when you trust God with your money. There's, there's things that begin to happen in your life and in your family and in and, and, and what God has called you to do. There's things that you unlock. There's things that you open. There's things that God has set up. There's, there's things that happen when we trust God with our money. And, and Paul's writing to the Corinthian church and reminding them about these things. So let's read it together. Um, starting in... 2 Corinthians chapter 9. This is on the YouVersion Bible app if you click events. I actually put it there today. Aren't you proud? 
Click on events, Hedgesville Church. It'll bring you uh, to the scripture with all of my sermon notes. And you can do that every week. It's an amazing resource that we have for our small group leaders as well. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 1 through 13. Let's read it. Paul is saying, I don't really need to write to you about this ministry of giving for the believers in Jerusalem. But I know how eager, you, uh, for I know how eager you are to help, and I've been boasting to the churches in Macedonia that you and Greece were ready to send an offering a year ago. In fact, it was your enthusiasm that stirred up many of the Macedonian believers to begin giving. But I'm going to write you anyway. I'm sending these brothers to you uh, to be sure you really are as ready as I've been telling them, and that all the money is collected. I don't want to be wrong in my boasting about you. We would be embarrassed, not to mention your own embarrassment if some Macedonian believers came with me and found that you weren't ready after all that I had told them. So I thought I should send these brothers ahead of me to make sure the gift you promised is ready. But I want it to be a willing gift, not one given grudgingly. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. The one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God who loves a person for God loves a person who gives cheerfully and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide an increase, provide an increase, provide an increase. If you're going to circle or underline anything, provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. Number one, the needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met. And they will. number two, they will joyfully express their thanks to God. Last verse. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God for your generosity to them and all the believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. Can we pray together? Lord, thank you for your word. May it cause us to act in faith today. God, thank you for setting up a, a heavenly system in which you choose to operate with. Thank you, God, that you're a trustworthy place to store up treasure. You're a trustworthy place to invest. Thank you, Lord. Give us faith today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You guys can be seated. Tap your neighbor and say, uncage it. Uncage your generosity. As always, I'll preach better if you talk to me better. So if it's good, say it's good. If it's not, say it's good. We're uncaging our generosity. Uh, this series has been so helpful. Um, we want a church, as Paul wanted, to be uncaged. Um, so a little context. The early church that Paul was writing to in Corinthians... It's called the early church because it was about 40 years old. Jesus had just lived his life, died, ascended into heaven, empowered the believers. and The church was brand new. 
and it was on the move. Uh, Paul had, uh, had had his miraculous encounter. If you've not read his story, it's worth going back this week and reading. He was one way. God had a miraculous encounter with him, and now he's completely different. He actually went from Christian killer to Christian maker. That's a big transformation. So Paul is on fire. He, is, he planted over 12 churches in the then-known world. And, um, and now a big part of what Paul is doing is raising this huge fundraiser, this huge offering he's getting for the church in Jerusalem. He's going from church to church, and Corinthians is one of his stops on the way, and he's inspiring the believers to be as generous as that they promised to be. So Paul, he was heading up this fundraising campaign, and, and how many of you know that the gospel costs money? And Paul knew that an uncaged church was a generous church. And um, if we're going to take the gospel far and wide, which is what we want to do, it is going to cost us money. It's going to cost us our time and our resources. Generosity is, is one of the core values at Hedgesville Church. Um, giving to the kingdom of God is what we believe is the, just the most rewarding thing that you could find yourself doing. And you're going to find out here in about five, ten minutes that God actually has a system set up to make it the most rewarding thing that you could ever do while you're on earth. And, and Paul is, my prayer is, as well as it was Paul's, that you would, you would leave here today with the decision to take a step of faith with your generosity. If you haven't figured it out yet, I'm talking about money. <laughs> um, and it's not just about money, but it is about money, okay? I believe that you should always be wrestling with how much did I give away? What's appropriate right now in my life? What's sacrificial right now in my life? What, you know, what is a step of faith right now in my life um, with giving? And I think that we should always wrestle with that. Paul was writing, this is what I, this is what I like from this scripture, Paul was writing to the Corinthians. They were an already generous church. Paul said, I, I don't even need to write this to you because I knew how excited you were to give last year. If we would have taken the offering last year, you would have had it ready. But I am encouraging an already generous place to be even more generous. That kind of sounds like home, doesn't it? So let's look at what he said. We're going we're gonna to read right back through what we just read and break down what Paul was, was telling the Corinthian believers. He said in verse 1, I really don't need to write to you about this gift, this ministry of giving for the believers in Jerusalem. Verse 2, for I know how eager you are to help. And I've been boasting to the churches in Macedonia that you and Greece were ready to send a small offering a year ago. In fact, it was your enthusiasm that stirred up the Macedonian believers to begin giving. He said, I know you're excited. But... So like when God throws a butt in there. I am sending these brothers to be sure. So not only is he bringing it up when he doesn't have to, he's sending people to make sure. How many know that generosity is not going to happen on accident? And Paul was not ready to leave a church, leave the culture of a church to chance. He said, I know I don't have to write this. I know I don't need to tell you again. I know I've been saying this since you've gotten here. But I'm going to say it again. And I'm going to send two brothers down to make sure that all the money's collected. <laughs> That's funny. 
But I'm sending these brothers to be sure you're ready, as I have been telling them, and, your, and that all your money is all collected. And I, don't want you, and I don't want to be wrong about my boasting about you. So, point number one, if you're taking notes, that a generous life or a generous church cannot be left to chance. You cannot leave your generosity to chance. It is not going to accidentally happen. You're not going to stumble upon tithing. And we're not going to stumble upon uh, being an uncaged church. (laughs) You don't stumble your way out of debt. Debt is fought tooth and nail until you beat it. I've been there. I haven't been there like maybe some of you have been there, but I've been there, okay? When we first got married, we had, oh my goodness, $25,000 worth of student loans. And we just made a decision together as a young couple that no matter what, we were going we were gonna to sell. We didn't have kids yet, so we couldn't sell our kids. But we were going to sell everything. We, were gonna, we didn't have car payments. Hallelujah. Young people, if you can, do not get car payments. Just please trust me. Because we were, too, we were young, excited to be married, wanted to honor God. And we had, I mean, she got, I didn't get a degree, but I tried. Yeah, I had about five grand at Blue Ridge, and she had like 20 grand from her finishing up at um, her nursing degree. So we had this collective debt, and we, we just made the decision. We're not going to have this debt in a year. We're just not. So whatever has to happen. Oh, 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 and Emily, by the way, I know you married a preacher and you love me. But we're going to tithe, too. I mean, I felt guilty because I hadn't been tithing before that. You know what I'm saying? Just being real. I'm like, I'm a pastor now. and We're getting married, trying to honor God. We're going to tithe from this day forward. This was seven years ago. You can applaud if you want to. (laughs) But we made a decision. We are going to, number one, we're going to tithe. We're going to look at how much we make, and we're going to take 10% right off the top. I don't know why. It's just what the Bible says, so we're going to do it. So that that I want to honor God with my life. We're going to tithe, and we will not be under this debt. Because we had just completed Financial Peace University and debt is the devil. The Bible says that the, borrow, the borrower is slave to the lender and I didn't want to be slave to anybody. I wanted, the only name I wanted on my money was mine. So, make a, make a commitment together. Okay, what do we have to do to pay off our debt it, by the end of the year? With giving 10% away. How do, how do we make that happen? We figured it out. We rented for a year. We didn't go out like, like it's tempting to go out and buy a house right away when you first get married. So tempting. But thankfully being connected to good leadership and good advice. You know that the answer to what you're struggling with is probably in the, in the circle of people you already know. I, I was reading a book called The Power of Who. And it suggests that you, you already know everybody you need to know. There are already people around you that love you and want to take care of you. Um... And there's wisdom in the counsel of many. So anyway, long story short, I was advised to not go out and buy a house right away because that is just what, what some young people do and they get in trouble. Because guess what? A 30-year mortgage is hard to get away from. <laughs> so we rented. We paid off the debt. We ended in our second year of marriage debt, completely debt-free. Um, and have been able to maintain, praise the Lord, the tithe the whole time. I'm not bragging. I'm not an expert, but I need to communicate something to you today about God. 
and about my walk with him and about what I've learned. Because he has got a system set up to take care of people who participate in kingdom work. He has a system set up. And I can't tell you, only by experience and only by having lived the past seven years this way, that life is sweet. I have more than I should. <laughs> Every time I look around, I'm thinking, with what I make, there's, that just doesn't make sense. I haven't wanted for money since, since then. I finished early, so I have a little bit of time to tell you that. But um, God has a system set up. Tap your neighbor say, it's all good. So here's a leadership thought, because Paul is writing to the church, to the Corinthian church, and he said, I know I don't need to say this. You've heard me say it a hundred times. But leaders, if you're listening, once you think you've said something enough, you haven't said it enough. You need to say it again and again. Because just when you think you've said it enough, you've got to say it again. So Paul is saying it again. He is not going to leave what God has called him to do, which is raise this huge offering for this Jerusalem church. He's not going to let that happen on accident. He's not going to leave it to chance. He's going to be intentional. He's going to, on purpose, remind the believers about how how this works. So, it doesn't happen on accident. You can't leave your kids to chance. Kids just don't accidentally turn out. Uh, it's like leaving good manners to chance. I don't know about you, but my kids aren't naturally gifted <laughs> to use their manners. I have to say, what was that? Every day. I have a, a one and a three-year-old. So you know, you know that age is just, you got to constantly reinforce values and manners and everything. You've got to reinforce everything. It's like leaving good work ethic up to chance with your kids. Like they're just going to get it. And when the toys are a mess, they're just going to clean it up. Right? <laughs> so nothing good in life can be left to chance. Nothing worth anything can be left to chance. And I want good kids. So Paul is not leaving this gift of giving to chance either. And he knows that if he's going to uncage the church and they're going to be uncaged in their generosity, then he's going to have to say what he said a million times one more time. And when the kid comes up to me and asks for a cup of water without saying please one more time, I'm going to have to say it one more time. Even though she's the cutest person I've ever seen, I'm going to say, you asked me wrong again. You're like, jeez. So Paul keeps on preaching. He keeps on teaching. Verse 6, he says, remember this. He said, I'm not going to leave it the chance to remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. Don't give reluctantly in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully, and God will provide, generously provide, all you need. Then you will always have everything you need, and plenty left over to share with the others. 
as the scriptures say. They share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed to the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide, provide and increase resources. And then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Maybe generosity has to happen in you before it happens through you. And he says, verse 11, yes, you will be enriched in every way so that it can, you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So number one was, it's got to be on purpose. You can't leave it to chance. Number two, if you're taking notes, is God has a system. God has a system for releasing kingdom finances to generous people. This is my favorite part, guys. He has a system of releasing kingdom finances to generous people. It goes kind of like this. First part of the system is, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever should believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God wants to save the world. Okay, and it's through you and me he wants to do it. So he is, he is on a mission to reach a lost world. It's called, I'm calling it kingdom work. There is a work that God is up to. The Bible says to do everything as if you're working under the Lord. There's a work that God is doing that is, is, is called kingdom work. And it's all about lost people. It's all about heaven. It's all about making sure this, the gift that he gave to the world was taken advantage of. So number two, he knows that kingdom work takes resources. It's strange that God would set the system up that kingdom work would take earthly resources. And it doesn't make sense at first, but kingdom work takes time and it takes money. It's whatever you give your time to and whatever you give your money to. The advancing, joining God in the mission, it takes it, it takes time and money. There's no way around it. Absolutely. Paul is reminding the Corinthian believers that it takes money. And the system keeps going. Once you decide to contribute to kingdom work, you enter into this system. I'm telling you, I can't, I can't prove it. I, can't, I didn't keep a running tally of every time it's ever happened. But there is a system set up that once you decide to contribute to kingdom work, God makes sure that you can always contribute to kingdom work, no matter what. So it's set up like this. You decide what to give. He says, in your heart, decide what to give. And then you reap what you sow. It's very simple. I'm about saving lost people. I want you to be a part of it. You decide how much to give. And you reap what you sow. In Luke chapter 6, verse 38, it says this. Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full. Pressed down, shaken together, to make room for more. Running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. God is saying, I have a system that when you take a step of faith and you start contributing to the work of the kingdom, I will make sure that the amount you give will be the amount you get back so that you can continue to be generous on every occasion and we can accomplish the work that I have called you to do. That's a good spot to say amen. God's system is set up to always provide for you to be generous, okay? There, there is no, absolutely no limit on kingdom finances. It, it's out of the cage. It knows no rules. There is, there is an abundant, limitless supply of kingdom finances. 
but you have to take the first step. There is no limit to kingdom finances, but there is a lock on kingdom finances. Faith is the key that unlocks kingdom finances. Check this out in, in Hebrews. So whether it's giving more time or more money, faith, you have to take the first step. That's going to unlock that's going to unlock things. In Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 4, it says, Faith is the key uh, that uncages your generosity. Check it out. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in the days of old earned a good reputation. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed in God's command, and what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man, and God showed his approval of his gifts. Although Abel, Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. We're going to talk about Cain and Abel in a second. But um, it was by faith that Abel presented a, an acceptable offering to God. Uh, write this down. Personal finances involved in kingdom work will produce kingdom finances in personal work. Personal finances involved in kingdom work will produce kingdom finances in personal work. Paul is reminding the Corinthians that this is not a fundraiser for the marching band. This is not a band booster or a girl, nothing wrong with Girl Scouts, but this is not a fundraiser, fundraiser uh, like you think it is. This is something bigger. This is a kingdom effort. This is kingdom work. We're raising, a money, we're raising money for the gospel to go forward. And when you contribute to that, God says that there's a system set up for personal finances involved in kingdom work you will enter into a system where now kingdom finances are in your personal work. That's something you want. You want kingdom finances, which has no limit, has no rules, has no end. You want that in your life. (laughs) And the only way to unlock that is to take a step of faith in kingdom work. Because God says, if it's for the kingdom, I'll supply every single time. If it's for the kingdom. So Paul's making a good case for giving, isn't he? Yeah, he's reminding them that it's worth it. It's not going to happen on accident. And that God actually has a system where this works out very well for you. As long as it's for the kingdom, advancing the kingdom of God. So he's making a good case for giving. And he keeps, he keeps teaching the Corinthians. He says in verse 12, So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God. I mean, he forgot to, he he just mentioned that not only are you entering into a system where God abundantly and generously supplies all your needs, you're also going to result in needs getting met around you and people giving glory to God because of you. You're getting ready to enter into, if you, if you give to the kingdom work financially, you're getting ready to enter into this, this, this way of life that your influence increases. Your influence increases. You might not know that you need influence. 
That's, not, that's, that's something that we need. Do you know you need influence? How many of you know that at the end of the day, you cannot pay your kids to turn out right? Some of you have employees, and you pay them to, to do their job, but at the end of the day, your influence in their life is going to determine whether they stick around and thrive or not. So, your, your influence matters. So what, what Paul is also promising, and number three is, a generous life gets more influence by meeting needs and increasing faith in others. A generous life, a generous church gets more influence. He says you get to meet needs and increase faith in others. So you've heard this term, trickle-down economics. This is like trickle-down kingdom economics. Okay? This is Paul saying the more you give, the more you will be given to give, and the more faith you will, ha- will give to others to give. This is like the domino effect in the church. This is a, a contagious spread of generosity. He's saying that if you step out in faith, I'm going to initiate this system to provide more than you ever thought you could give, and this act of giving is going to inspire so much faith in others, it's going to cause the whole thing to just snowball. How many of you want that? How many of you want your faith to snowball into the lives of your children? How many of you want your walk with Christ to domino effect its way down? I know I do. Sacrificial giving inspires others to give in the same way. Uh, really quick, there was a study done that, you might not know this, but they've actually been able to link the act of generous giving to happiness. Yeah, there's been... There's been Studies done to prove this, that they took a group of 50, two groups of 50 people. The first group uh, was given $26, and the second group was given $26. And the first groups, they said, one condition, you have to give that money away. Now take this test uh, on, on self-evaluation on your happiness level. And this group was saying, one condition, you have to spoil yourself with this amazing $26. Think about ways you could spend it on yourself and take this test about your level of happiness. And as they were taking this test, what scientists discovered that they had them hooked up to these brain scans, and I'm not a scientist, but the part of the brain that is linked to happiness was firing on all cylinders when the people who had to give the money away tested for happiness. There was something that happened in the brain that caused them to be happy after they had, after they had to process the $26 to how am I going to give this away? Versus the people who had to process the $26 to how am I going to spend this on myself? So Paul didn't say it, but he's saying your, your influence is going to go up, your impact is going to go up, your generosity is going to go up, and it's a win-win. You're going to be more happy. Your happiness is going to go up. Now, my wife, if you're familiar with the five love languages, I think that hers might be giving. She very much likes to give, likes to buy things for me, which I'm happy about. She likes to buy things for the kids. And when she does, it obviously triggers happiness. And so, just a plug. If you want a happier home, just let your wife spend more money on you. <laughs> let that trickle down. Kingdom economics, all the way down. Uh, 
scientifically proven. I thought that was interesting. And Paul is saying, there's a very, there's a, the very tail end of this thing is what, what I really like. And um, if the band wants to come back up, you're thinking, man, preacher, you're almost done. He says that your ministry, your, your, your ministry of giving is, is, is going to produce more in your life than you could have ever imagined. You're going to have things you could never afford. You're going you're gonna to be able to give more money away than that, that makes sense. Because of the way God's going to take care of you, your influence is going to go up. You're going to be happier. And he's saying at the very tail end of this thing, in, in, in verse 13, he's saying, For your generosity to them and to all the believers will prove. That word jumped out at me this week. Will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. You know, I'm preaching to myself uh, more than anybody. And in in preparing for this message, I felt like God was specifically telling me that your checkbook can prove or disprove your faith. Now, this is something that if you're doing it right, nobody else should see. This is a part of your life that's private. It's between you and God and your spouse and whoever else gets your money. This is the part of life that is, is between you and God. And he's, he, he is saying your, your checkbook can either prove or disprove your faith. In this verse, he's telling the believers, your gift will prove your obedience. It'll prove the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know about you, but this is something that can affect everyone around you. There are people in your life that are waiting for Christ to be proven to them. For lack of better words, they don't have the faith to take the steps. They don't know the benefits of of a life with Jesus. They have no heaven or no hope to look forward to. And there is something that you can participate in today that would, that would actually begin to prove the existence of God to the people around you. And that is the act of generosity. An uncaged church with uncaged generosity will enter into a system where God is miraculously providing for you on every occasion to be a generous church, a generous life, that gains influence and proves the existence of God. How many want that? We want that, don't we? Let's stand together. So there's just really quick, there's this, these three examples that I want to I want to talk to you about. In Genesis, it says later, talking about Cain and Abel, she gave birth to his brother named Abel, and when they grew up, Abel became a shepherd. Well, Cain cultivated the ground. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of the crops as a gift to the Lord. Just some of them. Abel also brought a gift, the best portion of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain's gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. Come on, between me and God... He knows the difference between a good gift 
and a lousy gift. And I just thought it was so timely. I mean, we are doing what the Corinthians, what Paul was encouraging them to do. They were raising a huge offering for the kingdom of God to be advanced on another level. And I just thought, man, isn't that so timely for what we're doing? That we're participating as a group of believers financially to push the gospel to places in our area that it has never been. To push the gospel places in your family that you could have never dreamed possible. And God is telling us today that it's all about faith and he knows the difference between a good gift and a lousy gift. In Luke 21, he says this, while Jesus was in the temple, he watched the rich people dropping in their gifts in the collection box. Then a poor widow came by and dropped in two small coins. I tell you the truth, Jesus said, this poor widow has given more than the rest of them, for they have given a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she has. Pastor Chris alluded to this a couple weeks ago. He said that the tithe can actually just become so automated that it can become as simple and as effortless as paying our Netflix bill. And there be, there can, it's possible that you can enter into a place where your the, the act of sacrifice has been removed from the act of giving. And, and Jesus is saying, he's concerned about the heart. I preached this a couple of weeks ago in the youth group and I said that the secret sauce of giving to God is sacrifice. And that if it means something to you, it means something to him. He's not concerned about the amount. He's concerned about the heart. And when you decide to take a step of faith and you invest in kingdom work, he knows it. He knows it. Come on, the proof is in the sacrifice. I want to be able to prove my generosity to a world in need. Amen? I want my wife to see it. I want my kids to see it. I want it to trickle down to every area that I have my hands in. So let's be a generous church. Let's be generous, amen? Come on, let's pray. God, let our generosity increase our own faith. Lord, thank you for a system of giving. Thank you, God, for a system of giving that says if we take a step of faith, you will promise to be super generous back to us so that on every occasion, God, in every single way, you would cause us to be able to give more and give more for the act of kingdom work. Let it produce a faith in us. God, give us faith today. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen and amen. Come on, if you believe it, give the Lord a hand today.